Hey everybody, welcome to In the Garden of Geekdom. I'm Janice Hawkins. And I'm Deanna Chapman. And this is the show where we watch an episode of Keep Your Hands Off Izuken and some accompanying piece of media and then talk about and compare them and learn about anime in the process. Deanna, what did we watch this time? We watched the eighth episode of Keep Your Hands Off Izuken and it was titled The Grand Shibahama Festival. And then you had me watch the first five episodes of Great Pretender. Yes. Which is on Netflix. Which is on Netflix. And specifically, I mean, everyone already watched it, obviously. Our five fans are diehards and they already figured it out. But the show is divided into different case numbers. And so episodes one through five are the case, the Los Angeles connection. Yes. And uh, I give you homework, Deanna. What... Did I ask you to pay attention to? Voice acting and music-driven action, which yeah. there was a lot of. There's a lot of there's a lot of voice acting in this. Oh, you mean the music, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is a lot of voice acting in these shows too, though, Janice. Yeah, it's true. So much. And did you tell me before we started recording that we have sound effects now, potentially? We do have sound effects. Ooh, I love a sonic. What's your is that your favorite one? I don't know. I love a good lightsaber sound. Ooh, that's going to be good for when we talk about Star Wars eight times in the episode. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's no no judgment here. I like talking about things we like. So did your school ever do festivals? Which school are we talking about? Because like high school, middle school. Define festival because I was in a tech program and we were required to do an internship and then we had to do like this thing where we stood in the gym and just talked to people about our internship. And I don't think that really counts. No, internship is definitely the opposite. Like if I were to do a complete opposite vibe of what a celebratory festival is, internship sounds like the clear other side of the spectrum. They called it something along those lines. Maybe, what did they call it? I think they called it the tech fair. Okay, so a little fair. The when you stand in a gym and talk to people thing, I think is a little bit closer. But Nothing with, like, boots and clubs showing off or anything like that. Just your club? I don't think so. Not that I remember. What about college? Did they... I have no idea. (laughs) Okay. You were really involved in campus politics. Janice, you're asking me to remember things from, like, 10 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's totally valid. Uh, My college did, like, a big you-should-come-to-UC-Irvine thing every year. My high school, I don't think, did anything really that interesting. We did a spring jam, but it was a concert, so. Oh, yeah, that's just a cool event. It was a music festival, not a... Mm-hmm. Did all the, like, clubs on campus get together and, like, have boots or show off their stuff or... No, I don't think so. Maybe maybe okay. a few, but not, like, anything exciting. Yeah, we had, like, a... Gosh, I wish I could remember what it's called, but it's, like, a way to try and convince young high schoolers that going to UC Irvine would be cool. And they'd have, like, every club had, like, was selling stuff. They'd have $2 boba on Ring Road. And then, like, they'd also have self-baked goods doing, like, performances. that like, taiko drum people would be drumming and the band would be playing. Um, and that's what, that's the closest American experience I've had to one of these, like, high school, middle school cultural festivals that the Isaac and girls are being subjected to in this mm-hmm. episode. But it's pretty common I guess, or at least in anime. I don't know about in real life. It's really common in anime to have these kind of things. I mean, it seems fun. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. In this episode, we start the night before the festival. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like both of us got attacked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what attacked you? They were like, look, we're done. And Kanamori was like, no, we're not. <laughs> She's like, the fact that we didn't even get to record the voiceovers means and the, that we're here tonight. It filled me with so much dread because that is like my nightmare. <laughs> Just like finding out the night before that there's so much you still didn't do. That is my everyday recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we probably start like... 15 to 20 minutes later than the time we set every time. This time, only five minutes late, despite the fact that I watched all the media a day before this. At least you tell me when you need extra time. They also had, after that, they started doing sound stuff, and I thought, Dan is going to like this part. Sound stuff is also fun. They were, like, changing the musical keys and, like, mm -hmm. when they would play different sound effects and music to, like, change the mood of the thing yeah so they changed some of the cues around to either start sooner or start later so that it was better timed with what was going on and i haven't done that i've mostly just put like music in the background in podcasts and stuff and sound effects obviously mm -hmm. which janice we're eight episodes in and i have had these this entire time <laughs> and i never remember to use them yeah yeah well it's cool we'll get them in post well, retroactively, I'll go through the notes and I'll put, can you put ring sound here? Good job by me, though. They do a little camping, they stay the night, and then it's the day of the festival. And it turns into a heist anime. I have a question. Were they literally just camping outside the building? Because then why not just go inside and sleep on the couches? I don't know if they slept. They probably slept on the couches if they slept that night. But they had they dinner had a tent slash outside, breakfast. Though. Oh, that's true. Huh. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe the ground is more comfortable than a couch <laughs> honestly if i had to pick between a tent and a couch i would take the couch so yeah that's usually for me too i don't know but i love their little camping stove that they made ramen off of yeah that was fun oh and um mizusaki learns that she holds chopsticks rounds. <laughs> i was looking and i was trying to remember how i hold them but i haven't had to use chopsticks in a very long time so i was uh. like i I think I have to, like, relearn every time I use them <laughs> how I hold them. I use them to eat Cheetos, so unfortunately I use chopsticks pretty often. That's smart. Yeah, okay, so it turns into a heist anime. Yeah, which is really fun because I wasn't expecting the robot suits, first of all, mm -hmm. which are just boxes. They're not, like, anything fancy, but it turns into this whole thing because they let off you know, the little rockets, fireworks and stuff, whatever, in order to get everyone's attention. Mm -hmm. And then they are trying to get to Mizusaki specifically. Why? I'm not really sure. Because they're all involved. Well, so Asakusa ran away already, I think. And Kanamori is like dealing with the AC thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who would have thought? And so Mizusaki is the only one left of the club down there. Okay. I think. And that's why the student council is targeting her. Yeah, this student council is wild. <laughs> like, they take themselves way too seriously. They do. There are big antagonists. And the security club, too, enforcing their will. Yeah. And those are kind of, like, a security club is kind of weird to have. Because I don't know about your high school, but ours just had, like, security people. Yeah. It wasn't students. 
I don't know what that's about. I like almost want to look more into it, but I when I imagine it, I imagine it's just like the ROTC of the school. Yeah, I mean we had that too, but they still had like actual adults Mm -hmm. for security it's a lot safer that way and then we had a cop on campus a lot too california i don't know if you also had that but he was at a lot of the basketball games we didn't when i started but we did by the end okay yeah so they have all these robot costumes to like swaparoony is the word i used in my notes but so that you don't know who is (laughs) yeah and i loved kanamori giving her directions yes and the way they did this is you know she goes down some stairs and around down a hallway and it looks like she's gonna get caught like the way they cut it and then it was someone else it was so good that was so clever oh it was so i like love this episode (laughs) i love a good heist and so this episode makes me like yeah yeah (laughs) i i love a good heist movie Mm -hmm. they get to finally air their robot anime it's cool. Everyone loves it. I got distracted watching it because I like forgot to take notes during it. I was just like, wow, they did such a good job. Yeah. <laughs> Forgetting that they're like not even real. <laughs> My fictional kids, they did so good. <laughs> it's an anime and, within an anime. So the fake yeah. characters did it. Yeah, exactly. The I fake mean, they're characters real characters. They're fake people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Mizusaki's parents actually get to watch it. They finally are like, maybe anime is not so bad. So I like that. I think it was funny how the parents interacted with each other and then like weren't as nice about it when they were talking to her. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, why can't you just say what you just said to each other to her? Give some constructive criticism. Um, Bringing the chopsticks back, uh, I realized that they realized that she animated it. um, At least the mom did right at the beginning of this sequence because they have the like opening in the anime where they're all like eating yeah. the crab and someone's using chopsticks and when they show the hands holding the chopsticks it cuts to the mom and she smiles <laughs> and then at the end they were like by the way the, the chopsticks were weird and she was like no one told me i held them wrong <laughs> i didn't know there was technically a right or wrong way i just kind of hold them like if you can grab things with them and put them in your mouth who cares <laughs> You're not supposed to cross them, and I don't know why. And so she crosses her chopsticks to use them. And I don't know chopstick etiquette or anything. I just know that I personally can't hold them like that and pick things up. Some people do. It's fine. Subbed or dubbed? How you hold your chopsticks? I don't care. Live your life. (laughs) Hot topic this episode, though. Mm -hmm. One other thing I liked about the episode Mm -hmm. was when her parents then find her with her friends. (laughs) And they're like, are you her friends? (laughs) Parents are funny. I really like that she says, that Asakusa says, uh, we're not friends, we're... And the translation says comrades, yeah. and that's probably the most, like, accurate way to put it. But she says Nakama, which got really popular with the TV show One Piece. Okay. And so anime people all about Nakama, because it's like, for One Piece, it's like a boat full of pirates right. who are all... They're more than friends. They're not quite family. They're, like, in it together. And so, like... It's like Fast and Furious. Yeah, like the family. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) My buddy Vin and his family. It probably isn't, like, that significant a word in day-to-day. It probably is just, like, comrades. But in anime, like, when you hear Nakama, you're like, yeah. (laughs) 
And they actually use it in The Great Pretender, too. Uh-huh. Because at one point, the character says, like... He welcomes someone to the family. That, too. I don't know if they use Nakama for that. I wasn't oh. listening for that one. But Edamura says to Abigail, um, like, about Laurent, he's like, he's your Nakama, right? And she's like, Nakama Janai. She's like, she's he's not my Nakama. <laughs> he's not my Oh, daughter. was that, like, during the lone wolf whole thing or something? Because she went on about all of them being lone wolves, too. It kind of tied to that, but I don't think it was the same moment. It wasn't the same moment, but it was a similar moment. It was when she was in Salazar's bedroom. Right, which happened numerous times. We watched five episodes. I I know what happened, but I can't keep the order straight. You can't remember the one time they say the word Nakama, a word you definitely know (laughs) as a person who's never watched anime before? Wild, Deanna. Yeah. But before we dive into that more, Janice, can you give me some background on it? Absolutely. So The Great Pretender is a show that aired during the pandemic. So just like one day it showed up on my Netflix recommended. Yeah, I noticed that it said it was a Netflix original too. It is. So I have a question. Yes. Has Netflix been doing a lot of original anime stuff or? They've done quite a bit since like 2016. They've done a few a year. Most I haven't watched. Honestly, I think that this might be the only one that I've actually watched where it grabbed me. And I have a hard time differentiating between which ones are Netflix original and which ones are Netflix exclusive. There's a show that is one of those out right now called Comey Can't Communicate that has like universal acclaim. Our friend Mitchell really likes it. Um, And it's the only other one I think I will watch in the near term. But the wild thing about this one is it's not even based on anything. Like usually things have a manga or a book that they're going off of. Yeah. And this one, they started writing a manga for it after the fact. Like, this whole story is completely original. Season one, which is the first three cases, aired in August 2020, and case two aired in November, the second season. It's all written by Ryoto Kosawa, who, before this, he was a writer for live action stuff. So this is his first animated thing that he's written for. Yeah. And he enjoyed the experience it's directed by a guy named Hiro Kaburagi, who mostly just directed an episode here or there of things, but hasn't really had like a big directorial project prior to this. Mm-hmm. The studio is called Wit Studio, and it's a subsidiary of IG Port, which is a holdings company that has a manga publisher, Mag Garden, and then it has the studio Production IG. And Production IG is the studio tying into what we've seen before that did assisted animation on pat labor wit studio has done my current favorite show right now that's airing spy family love it i don't know what that is it's so cute it's so cute i think you would like it it's got spies and subterfuge but it's also got a kid so maybe you wouldn't (laughs) i don't hate everything that has kids in it this kid is beautifully annoying. Oh. She's psychic is the thing, so she can read read minds. I think after watching AI and having a weird little robot boy and then watching wolf children, I just need to take a break. Have a cool down on children? Yeah, that's fair. Then don't watch the other thing they've done, uh, Ranking of Kings, because the main character is also a child. Technically, there was a child in this. Yeah. But he just wanted to go have fun with his dad, so... He's just a cool little kid. Tom's the best. Character designs. Tom is a great character. 
so are all the others. Mm -hmm. Uh, The characters were done by Yoshiyuki Sadamoto, who did wolf children characters, the kids you don't like, (laughs) and Evangelion. Wolf children was very well done. I could not stand how annoying the children were. I like Raznia. (laughs) The producer of this is Maiko Okada, who also works on Ranking of Kings. (laughs) The music, which is what we're talking about today, is done by Yutaka Yamada. Which, that's a fun, that's a fun bouncy name to say, Yutaka Yamada. As long as you get it right. As long as you get it right. Uh, through the magic of editing, I got it right the first time. <laughs> right, Deanna? Right, right, Deanna? Yep. Yamada did the music for Tokyo Ghoul. Um, people loved it. Uh, there's a song in it called Glassy Sky that got sampled for an Eminem song. So it's culturally relevant. And the ending theme for this is Freddie Mercury's cover of the Platter's song, The Great Pretender. That's fun. With like cute cat animations. I love cute cat animations. I'm not sure the cat animations fit with the show, but we'll allow it. Having watched the whole show and now rewatching it for the first time, the ending credits bum me out a lot because I thought originally that the cat in the end credits was Edamura. But now that I know more, I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, that cat is Laurent. And then the lyrics to the song, oh, I can't, I can't watch the end credits now because it bums me out. (laughs) Are you going to, oh, this is a fun question. Uh, Before we talk about The Great Pretender, are you going to watch the rest of it? Or do you think that five, this case was enough? I don't know just yet. I want to, but I also have a bunch of other things to watch. That's valid. And it's what, two seasons now? It's two seasons. Honestly, the second season has stuff that I'm not a big fan of and stuff I am a big fan of, but like I could take or leave the second season, but the first three cases, season one are fun. Yeah. The next the next case is like air racing in Singapore. So it's real fun. Okay. I'll probably try to at least finish season one at some point when I don't have 800 other things to watch and read for podcasts. When you don't have 800 other things to watch and read for a podcast. So in a few weeks? Yeah. Maybe? I don't know what time is. What is time? (laughs) It will have already happened by the time everyone is hearing this, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. You should have free time. By the time that this is airing, we can do like a check-in on did Deanna finish Great Pretender or not? Yeah. We'll put it on. We'll put it on our Twitter. It'll be great. Or we can do a bonus episode, whatever you want to do. Or a bonus episode. Yeah. We'll find out. That's future our problem. Story of my life. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of story, what happened in the show? Okay. So we start out in Japan and I was like, okay, this is a con story. And then you find out that the conner got conned. (laughs) Yeah. And it's my favorite thing because... It's so good. (laughs) It is really good. And all of these characters are great. Even the drug lord. Great. (laughs) I don't like the drug lord, but I like his bodyguard. Yeah, that's fair. But look, the drug lord makes movies that Edamura enjoys. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I love... Okay. So (laughs) our con man gets conned into following a quote-unquote confidence man Laurent Theory to Los Angeles and uh, they end up making this bet that Laurent's like oh I gotta meet this director guy and sell him something and Edmer is like whatever I bet that I can sell it for more than you're going to and 
if I do, then you become my henchman. <laughs> and Laurent, knowing that Edimer is just like a little small fry, just a little baby swindler, is like, deal. <laughs> but yeah, I love Edimer. I like did his research and watched those movies and like was talking to the director about them. And then Laurent was like, see, I told you that like complimenting his movies would work. And yeah. he was like, yeah, because they're amazing. <laughs> so I love that he just genuinely liked them. <laughs> I love how much he just goes all in yeah. on everything. Like, even though he's pushed further than he wants to be pushed. And look, this is a long con. It's not just this sort of one-off thing. There's a whole thing behind it. And Edamura is just like so confident in himself until <laughs> things get dangerous. And then he <laughs> starts freaking out. And the amount of sweat that pours down. That man's face in these five episodes. He's definitely a sweaty kid. Um, yeah. And then he looks at his little, like, capsule men, and his little capsule men give him strength. Yeah. But he's so cocky about it when they're in the car together and just sitting in lovely LA traffic, as you do. <laughs> yeah. They're just sitting in the car like, oh, this doesn't move at all, huh? <laughs> Can you imagine being stuck in LA traffic with someone you just met, like, a day ago and you're just like oh no no yeah no and at that point he doesn't realize that he's like he he knows that he's been conned once by laurent but he doesn't know that he's actually being conned like three more times he is conned so many times and the funny thing is he just kind of rolls with it eventually mm -hmm. he's freaking out because so they go to sell these drugs to the drug lord as you do you, you want mm -hmm. to give drugs to drug people <laughs> <laughs> They're not drugs, though. They're fake. And There's candy. <laughs> Abby's in on it. And that moment where she just goes so wild after <laughs> so taking funny. it, it was so over the top. I was like, did this guy actually just believe this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you could tell right away that Abby was, like, in on it then? Look, Janice, I don't do drugs, but I don't think any of them do that to you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> that's good. I'm pretty sure that's not how any of them work. Not yet, but this is the new tech, the new synthetic drug from Japan. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. It's from Japan. Maybe they know better than we do. Nope, I have no idea. Weed is not legal in Japan. And when I went to Japan, my friends and I were hanging out there, and there was some guy in an alley selling, quote-unquote, like, he called it legal herb. <laughs> and so the rest of us were like, nah. But one of my friends, two of my friends bought it, and then tried to smoke it. And then in the aftermath, they're like, I'm pretty sure that was just oregano. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, so, so Americans very gullible in Japan. At the end of it, like whenever, because we, we learned that there was the small scale con that they're like battling against Edinburgh and Laurent over selling the drugs. And mm -hmm. like they go to these whole extremes where like Edinburgh like sells them the recipe. So then he has to cook it and then he actually has to make drugs, which he did not want to do. But then the way bigger con that's going on is this like fake FBI agent. So good. So good. So I didn't realize that was part of the con at first. Yeah, you shouldn't. Like, they do it so well that you don't know. Yeah, I and I think that's obviously the point. Because as soon as it was like Eddie called the cop, mm -hmm. you could tell that something was going to happen because the cop can't keep not catching this guy after being so yeah. close without anyone catching on. And then... <laughs> The FBI lady comes in and 
at the end, the other F, the real FBI lady is like, that is me. I am that person. And you see Eddie's face and the payoff is just so good. But I do want to point out too, though, Abby is pretty mean to Edamura. Yeah. <laughs> She's pretty mean to him. For my bit, we'll talk about that. Because okay. we'll I have something, it. a concept to introduce you to. And then Laurent just doesn't get his name right for like, the first two episodes. Yeah, he doesn't get it. He, like, starts off, like, He calls him, like, edamame or something. Calling him edamame, and then I think he just rolls with it the rest of the time. Yeah. I've seen people theorize that there's a reason for that, but I won't spoil it. So if y'all watch the rest of the show, I'm pretty sure there's a reason why he calls him edamame and not edamura. But okay, one day. One day we'll talk about <laughs> One day. So I love, I love at the end when he wakes up and they're like, so we got $10 million from Edamura's little con yeah. and $100 million from our real FBI con. <laughs> and they celebrate. Cynthia is so cool. Our fake FBI agent. She owns a whole island. Yeah, she's just got an island. And she's not Richard Branson about it, so. Yeah, she's so good. A-plus character. The one thing I want to hit on while we're talking about the show is that the director, when he was, like, coming up with the show, he went to like a book fair and ended up getting some art books from this English artist that went by Brian Cook. His real name is Brian Batsford, or Brian Cook Batsford, and loved the art style and was like, I wonder if we could make these into like anime backgrounds. And so all of those that you've seen in this show are based off that. And I have links that I can share. I'm just going to share my screen with you so that you can look at these. Look at these beautiful backgrounds. They're so good. So he got these art books, and I'll post these pictures that I'm showing you on the Twitter so other people can look at them. Mm -hmm. But you can see, like, this building looks like Kasano's place, kind of. Yeah. Just, like, if you turned it into Hollywood. And made the gate bigger. <laughs> and made the gate bigger. But basically There's... just make it bigger. Yeah, exactly. The whole thing. And more vibrant somehow. Yeah. But, like... The way that they do colors and backgrounds, I really appreciate that they found this artist and used his stuff because wowie wowie. Um, yeah, it's really good. So uh, they were talking about how to do that and they were like, were you worried about like the character design, character design clashing with the backgrounds? And he was like, no, we've got like a really good color designer. There's like a job called color design. Yeah. The color designer for the show, Yuko Kobari, he just like gave her this stuff and was like, good luck. And so he said that she was like racking her brain trying to decide like what colors for each scene, what to put in each cell to go with the artboards. She's like, gotta make it look good, can't clash. But it's like so hard when it's so dynamic. Yeah, I thought the whole thing looked really good. The only thing that wasn't super believable and maybe we could chalk it up to it being like maybe the middle of the night or something, but how few people were on the road during that car chase scene? Yes. Oh my gosh. I wrote that in my notes too. That was like... I didn't even write that in my notes. I just suddenly remembered it. I'm not even looking at my notes because I don't do things as prepared as you do. <laughs> That's fine. I took notes, I'm, but... <laughs> I'm a freak. It's, it's okay. It's hard for me to take notes because I told you this before we started recording, but I've been watching everything in Japanese now, so I have to be reading, and I can't be writing and reading at the same time. Although you did get a little upset with me for texting during <laughs> Wolf Children. Yeah, but that was when it was in English, so you could hear it. But yeah. It wasn't in English. That was in Japanese, too. Oh, that was in Japanese, too? Oh, and you still... Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> I just wasn't as into that one. Yeah, I was like, these fair. children are being annoying. I'm gonna... 
do something mm-hmm. else for a minute. Do what I do when I'm at an airport and there's children just tune out and shut down. Oh, yeah. We don't need to talk about my last airport experiences. <laughs> Fair. But, yeah, when they're, like, driving on the, like, quote-unquote Los Angeles roads, um, one, the roads were, like, I was like, what streets are these in L.A.? Apparently they didn't have, like, a location scout, so some of that stuff didn't get covered. But also, like, yeah, I was like, there's only, like, three cars here. This seems wrong. It's funny because I watched Speed last night, mm-hmm. which is a very L.A. movie. And there are many people on the road in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> to the point where they're like, we're going to put you on an empty freeway that hasn't been finished yet. <laughs> Because turns out the 105 didn't exist until the 90s, which is weird to think about. And then they're like, oh, yeah, you're going to be on a subway line that also is not finished yet. Because in L.A., we just don't like to finish our roads or train tracks. (laughs) So apparently. (laughs) Oh, man. Speaking of trains in L.A., when we like land, when the plane lands at LAX and you see the little like, I forget what it's called. I love the, the futuristic thing that's like in the middle of LAX. I was like, that's where Nick used to work. I'm sure he didn't work like in that, but anytime I see that, I'm like, oh, it's Nick's work. It is Nick's work. I didn't fly into LAX last time, so my brain is trying to think. It's been a minute. The theme building is what it's called, the LAX theme building. And it's just this super fun, mid-century, modern, quote-unquote, googie architectural style. (laughs) So LA. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So... Love that, love that about the show. They got the freeway right, though, with all the traffic. Yeah, they hit that vibe exactly. But the car chase, I was like, this has (laughs) to be, like, late at night or something. Even though I've hit traffic in L.A. at 10 o'clock at night, so... Yeah, it's always there. Yeah, unless the thinking is because he's in, like, a more private area, it's not as packed yeah like maybe he lives in some rich zone obviously he does have you did you see the house janice that's like you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a house that looks like that in la depends on what part of la you're in that's true that's true deanna janice i have a bit you do have a bit this bit uh brought to you by um i tried really hard to look up dakimakuras for this show and you were extremely lucky in that i could not find a single one (laughs) so i had to pivot to one that i had written but never we've never done um this is called the good the bad and the moe we'll talk about the good best character your favorite character the bad worst character least favorite and the moe what character is there to sell products to weirdos who form parasocial relationships with fictional characters <laughs> okay. Moe characters are like a type. They're usually like really cute and stuff so that they can like sell merch of them on pillows. Like in Promare, we've got our beefy boy. <laughs> yeah, okay. Who is your favorite character? I don't know. I feel like there are multiple options. Mm-hmm. But I did kind of like Edamura as the con- more as the con went on. Yeah. Because you could see the wheels turning. And he was just trying to figure out what was going on and how he was going to get himself out of it. And then the fact that he turned to the FBI lady, (laughs) it was like, okay, fine, I'll help you. And he thought he was betraying everyone, but really he was just still in on the whole thing and he just didn't know it. I really like that he just was so clueless. Yeah, he's just a really, I love the for a con man, he is so gullible. (laughs) at the end he's like he says why did you trick me and they say like oh this reason and this reason and for entertainment (laughs) and 
I feel like this would be me if I tried to run a con. <laughs> yeah, he's just such a good kid. But yeah, I love seeing his little gears turn. My favorite is Laurent. Uh, I think... Tell me more, Janice. We've... I can't believe we've made it eight episodes into this show, and I'm only just now talking about how I um, get huge crushes on anime characters <laughs> because it's embarrassing and I'm an adult. But um, I like The Great Pretender because it's about grown-up adults and a lot of anime isn't. And so as a show with a lot of grown-up adults, there's a lot of really beautiful... Like Cynthia. Cynthia is so great. Fake FBI lady. But Laurent is just like he belongs in a trash can and i love that for him (laughs) (laughs) he is just annoying and uh, the worst and so beautiful and i adore him he's my favorite (laughs) amazing (laughs) yeah so the bad who who's your the bad for this i mean i feel like it has to be eddie yeah or detective anderson I hate Detective Anderson. He's racist. I, I I think it has to be Anderson, actually. Anderson, like, from the very first thing we see him do is he says to, like, the Hispanic in-and-out worker, do you speak English? And then, like, yeah. he pulls some shit like that with Edamura, too, and just, like, please stop being the worst. Yeah, it has to be Anderson. Yeah. Like, the fact that a cop is worse than a drug lord, I think, <laughs> yeah. is, uh, it says a lot. Cassano's got that, like, Vin Diesel family thing going, at least, where in his, like, fun, bad movies. He is also terrible and does human trafficking and stuff, but, like... At least he's got loyalties. Mm-hmm. At least he's got loyalties. He has standards, Janice. <laughs> he does. Okay, and so the Moe. So for this one, since I'm introducing you to this concept, I'll do mine first. But do you know what the word sundere means? No. Okay. So... It's a word for a character that seems, like, cold and stoic and emotionally distant, is kind of mean to people, but has a heart of gold. Okay. And uh, it's a really popular, like, character type in anime. And people, like, there's, like, some people just, like, get crushes on Sundari characters. And I think that Abigail, Abby in this show is 100% Sundari. She's so mean to Edamura. Who obviously has a big crush on her. Who obviously, I think, has a big crush on her. Um, Probably? I don't know. It's so confusing. But... Is it? I don't know. I don't understand. I don't don't understand when people like when someone's mean to them, but... It's like in Paprika. It's the same thing. That's true. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a Sundari kind of relationship too, huh? Yeah. So I think that the Moe character in this is Abigail because she's like your beautiful tomboy tsundere femme fatale. Is it like a whole thing that it's always women who are mean? Or is that just this in Paprika? I don't know that I've ever noticed or seen people talk about when a guy is tsundere, but like Edward Cullen is tsundere, you know? <laughs> like I mean, I, I don't really know, but let's pretend I do. You don't know Twilight? I know what Twilight is. I have not seen more than one movie. Okay, Robert Pattinson in The Batman is also kind of Sundari, where he like acts all emotionally distant and stuff, but really he cares deeply about Alfred and I guess Catwoman? Yeah, I was gonna say Catwoman before Alfred, so <laughs> that shows how much I pay attention. I, think, I don't know if they actually like each I can't read that man, but <laughs> yeah. I think that's the point. Yeah, I don't get it. Not a fan of this type. <laughs> Apparently, according to Urban Dictionary, the word sundere is derived from the terms tsun meaning to run away in disgust, and 
dairy dairy, meaning lovey-dovey. Okay. To become lovey-dovey. So that's, that's how it works. Anyway, um, I don't think any other characters fit the bill for that, unless it's Laurent. Maybe. But they're mean to the same person, so... Oh, yeah. I don't think that he's Sundere, but I think he might be a Moe-type character. But yeah. maybe he's just interesting. Maybe he's just George Clooney-type. I don't know. <laughs> I can't help but smile when I talk about him. Anyway, that's the bit. <laughs> Let's compare the two pieces of media now. They're wildly different. <laughs> they're pretty different overall. The Sheba Hum episode's got a heist. Yeah, and blackmail. And blackmail. We love some good blackmail. With the air conditioning. Also, the music in both is really fun and pushes everything forward. Yeah, and obviously they work on that last minute in (laughs) Izaukan, but I think the fact that they had more characters in the show this time around too, because you have a whole crowd and you have more people from the robot club getting involved... And you have like all the security people yelling and (laughs) just so much more voice acting and music and sounds in general in that episode, I feel like, just because of all of the extra background stuff going on because of the festival. And then in Great Pretender, you have sort of that whole, is it a party? I guess it's a party where he's like announcing the doctor as part of the family. (laughs) And then... The baseball bat scene. Oh my god. The baseball bat scene. I love how many, like, movie references are in these bits and, like, TV references just because it's, like, Los Angeles. But yeah, was it The Usual Suspects or whatever? No, what movie is it? He mentions De Niro. He's like, I want to do... But I don't know if he mentions the movie. Yeah, he wants to hit him like De Niro. Yeah. And my brain cannot differentiate De Niro movies right now. It could be Goodfellas. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. But uh, what about that scene? It was just so brutal. And he was just like, all right, let's carry on. <laughs> yeah. It was great. And that guy was so old, too. I was like, that's that so old. I don't think rough. he survived that ball check. <laughs> Seems painful. Yeah. For the Azokin kids musical, they had to do that voice acting live. Yeah, they basically had to dub it live. Yeah. There was also just like a random like murder thing thrown in to Azokin. And it was like when the the parents weren't working or something because the producer committed murder. (laughs) Yeah, the parents were going to do a movie together for the first time in like however many years. And then I think they said it was like 16 years or something. And they were like, the producer committed murder or attempted murder. And then you have this drug lord movie producer guy (laughs) going to jail. And I was like, that was oddly similar. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. Man, I'm so good at these comparisons without even realizing now. <laughs> I'm glad I remembered that because I definitely, I still don't have my notes open, but that was definitely in my notes. That definitely happened. Yeah, it's like the director killed the producer or vice versa. That's going to be really fitting tying into the next episode we watch too. So yeah, they had to do all their like live voiceovers to the thing and Ono somehow reined it in <laughs> and was not as annoying as he usually is. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> somehow. The rest of them... The rest of them did fine, I think. I think they did a good job doing it live. So you said that you watched The Great Pretender in Japanese this time. Yeah. What was the first, like, nine minutes like for you where they're doing all the different accents? Honestly, I kind of didn't notice anything off because it seemed like it was just part of everything. Because, you know, when you're doing a con, you have to pretend to be other people frequently. For me, I... Because they start the episode with 
them, like, Edimer is speaking English to try and con Laurent, who is also, like, a French man speaking English and all this. And so they're, like, they're letting the actors, like, speak real English. Yeah. And, like, uh, in their own accents. Well, Laurent's voice actor is doing, is a Japanese man doing French doing English. Right. (laughs) Which is really impressive and hard to do. Um, for me, I don't know, I, there wasn't always subtitles over those parts, and so I'd yeah. be, like, straining to listen, but um, they do a very good job. And then eventually they're just like, okay, now pretend, just mentally pretend that they're speaking English from now on, and then they cut to the Japanese all the way. Yeah. But some chops, that's hard to do. But it was done so well that I didn't notice anything off about it, so. Really a testament to their skill. Uh, Laurent is voiced by Junichi Suave. Um, who does, he's like a huge, huge voice actor. He's very talented. Uh, he did Victor and Yuri on Ice, Grimjaw and Bleach, Sukuna and Jujutsu Kaisen. Okay. And Edimer is voiced by Chiaki Kobayashi, who does, I think he's kind of newer on the scene, but he does Lagna and Skate the Infinity, which is a newer anime. Um, those guys, they did great. Very proud of these boys. Yeah. I don't know why I say it that way. Did you pay attention to like how they used music in the Izokin episode? I definitely paid attention to it a little more at the beginning when they were specifically going through the music cues, just because that's extra nerdy stuff that I love. <laughs> you watched Omeki use the little like mute slider and you were like, yeah. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out like what program she was supposed to be using. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Because of course I was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I couldn't figure it out, but I think it was like some sort of version of Avid because that's apparently pretty popular with uh, the film world. Because it definitely wasn't any of the ones I used. And the audio portion of it looked like Pro Tools, which is made by Avid. So I'm going to stop before I lose the whole audience. Cool. No, I'm like, I'm fascinated. I'm like, like nodding and listening like, cool. I don't think anyone else cares. One of our five listeners has to. Maybe if Shane's listening. Yeah, Shane Shane could appreciate it. If Shane is listening, then he is going to enjoy me hopefully talking about the sounds that the music makes because I don't know how to describe things. And I really liked when they were doing the blackmail air conditioning scene. They had that like tense kind of like bassy music that transitioned into like the robot costume swapper Rooney. Yeah, and you have like kind of Mori like in the dark. It's so good. <laughs> oh yeah, it's so tense. And, like, it it felt like both times, like, transitioning between those two thing- scenes, like, like there was, like, a face-off happening. But then when Mizusaki was doing the, um, in the robot costume, like, trying not to get caught jumping places, yeah. Kanamori's, like, up above, like, looking and, like, telling her, like, go here, now go here. And the way that the scene plays out with the music felt like such a video game. It was, like, this yeah. tuba-type synthy drum music. And I was like, oh, this is like playing, like, Metal Gear Solid or something right now. Yeah. I loved it. And then the only other song I noticed was that when they were done showing their anime, they played like an Auld Lang Syne, the New Year's mm-hmm. Eve song type thing. And I was like, is that just Auld Lang Syne or is that something different? But it was good. Um, and then they knew when they went, knew when to not use music too in a lot of the scenes where she was like talking to her parents. I could not begin to describe the music in Great Pretender because it's other than great. Five whole episodes and it's so great. It's so great. I love the intro song. It reminds me of the opening to Cowboy Bebop. See, here, here's my thing with music and soundtrack stuff so like whether it's songs or scores I don't want to notice it yeah that's kind of my thing with it like I know some of the Marvel movies people don't like when they use these 
massive needle drops. Very popular songs. Yeah, I mean, it works for something like Guardians of the Galaxy most of the time. But then I think in Captain Marvel, they just have this huge no doubt I'm just a girl needle drop. And it's a little too on point. As much as I love that, Mm -hmm. it's just like, we didn't really need this. (laughs) It's like, Guardians, I think, was good for its use of music because it was like plot relevant. And then um, Taika Waititi can do no wrong, in my opinion. And so I really like how they use music in Thor Ragnarok. But even then, sometimes pushing it. And then, yeah, as that, like, got more and more popular, like, Marvel movies just keep doing it more. And it's like, okay, now you're, like, repetitive. Yeah, we'll see how Love and Thunder plays out because... I know people aren't loving the whole 80s nostalgia thing that they have going on. But Tiger can do no wrong, so... The most popular songs that everyone's so sick of hearing because, you know, Glee probably used all of them 800 times. And Glee's coming back, so they're going to do it again. Oh, no. Yeah. (laughs) But the music is good when it enhances what you're watching, not distracts from what you're watching. I think that's a beautiful way to put it. And it's great in heist stuff, too. (laughs) I want to go watch all of the Oceans movies again now. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's like my mood every other day is that I want to watch all the Oceans movies. They're just so good. But love a good heist. Love a good heist. Sometimes I'm like, do I need to watch the Italian job again? <laughs> I loved that movie as a child and I refuse to rewatch it because I'm afraid it won't hold up. So I'm like... That's kind of why I haven't either because I remember loving it and the little Mini Coopers just mm-hmm. <laughs> racing around everywhere. And I'm like, but what if it isn't as good anymore? Yeah. Sometimes you just can't mess with the nostalgia factor. So see, Janice, we can agree on everything heist related, apparently. Yeah, we found a common thread. <laughs> I can't imagine um, why Janice would like Ocean's 8 at all. <laughs> I love Ocean Sea. <laughs> Can't imagine why. It's at the Met, you know? I love the Met. That's why. It's, it, there's no other reason that I love the Met so much. Um, <laughs> so next time, before I start, like, getting flustered talking about beautiful women, what are we What are we watching next time, Deanna? We're watching episode nine, which is Aim for Comet A. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what that entails. <laughs> Comet A is a convention. Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't give me any more context than that. That's that's all the context I'll give you is that those words are just a convention. <laughs> I was like, that's not what I, I know of comets. And I don't know why you would aim for one. <laughs> and then we're watching Perfect Blue. Perfect Blue. Another Satoshi Kon movie. Um, this is, I think, his first movie that he directed versus Paprika was one of the last. So okay. we'll be jumping back. Your homework, Deanna, is to just think about movie industry, TV industry, like that kind of like vibe. We're thinking entertainment and uh, okay. promotion, how to promote things. I wouldn't know. I don't have anything to promote. <laughs> you don't have many podcasts that you no, not a one. are and work on. Nope. Yeah. Should be fun and you won't regret it probably. In the Garden of Geekdom is a spinoff of Welcome to Geekdom by our host, Deanna Chapman. Check out her YouTube channel for more opinions on general geekery. Our intro and outro music is by Associations. Do yourself a favor and go to associations.bandcamp.com to listen to more of their stuff. For a multimedia experience with links and images, follow us on Twitter at geek underscore guidance.